So, number one, Ezra. I want to encourage you to read the book of Ezra. To read the book of Ezra, especially one through six. And the reason is, is because the book of Ezra is, um, is, a, is a layout of the building of the second temple. Solomon built the first temple, torn down by Nebuchadnezzar. Judgment, they just wouldn't stop doing idolatry. Israel, for all of the kings, first kings, second kings, God warns them, warns them, warns them. Here comes Nebuchadnezzar, lays waste the temple, steals the items, hauls them up to Babylon. And so they're there for 70 years. Daniel was a young man, young, young teenager probably. Then he's in his 80s when we read the book of Daniel. But when he prays, he begins to enact something in the spirit, and it's the book of Ezra. And the book of Ezra really lays out the divine process and, um, and, and I will be more, maybe more interested in that than others. That's okay. I get to inflict on you what I'm interested in. But it, is the, it really is the prophetic process of the building of the house of prayer. That second temple is what Jesus will walk into, and he'll engage it in John 2 at the beginning of his ministry, and he'll engage it again in Mark 21. I mean, in Matthew 21 and Mark 12, he'll go into the temple again, and he just rips through it. And he'll make the declaration of Isaiah 56, 6 and 7 over it. You remember that. My house shall be a house of prayer. There'll be joy in my house of prayer uh, for all nations. So the thing they're building in Ezra is the house of prayer, all right? It's worship. It's that. And you and I, that's backwards what was built. Forward, it's us. When we say house of prayer, I'm in for the restoration of the church and to her true identity of being a house of prayer. I don't mean a bunch of prayer meetings. I mean, it includes a bunch of prayer meetings, but it includes, it's a big deal. I was doing this with some YWAM leaders today and some other people. The house of prayer culture is a culture where the government of the Holy Spirit is ruling and reigning, and the people of God, especially the leaders, are talking with God more than they're talking with people. There's more praying than planning going on. And it's a place where there's this responsiveness of heart. And I know you've heard me say this phrase. But it's a place where there's a kingdom dialogue going on that the people of God move out from, not a ministry monologue where we're trying to do something for God. Now, I think all this is sweet. We're trying to do good ministry. There's so many people trying to do good ministry. But the Lord never wanted us just to do stuff for him. He wanted to do stuff with us. And that is a big deal. You don't have to have a prayer life like mine. You don't have to come to 17 prayer meetings. That's, but all of us can pray without ceasing and get our hearts in a culture of prayer. I know when the, when the prayer movement started and it was, I knew there was multiple iterations of it coming, he speaks to me clearly and says, my government, the government of my Holy Spirit operates in a house of prayer. That's where I get my way. That's where I'm first. It's where I get my way. So, we are encouraged. I told the leaders today, I, I'm glad for 30 citywide prayer meetings and for what we think is somewhere between 20 to 30,000 that attended, but they, like it's five to 10,000 only because there was a bunch of repeaters. <laughs> I'm glad for the tiny remnant of the body of Christ that came to that and were part of it, but it wasn't about just those meetings. What it was about um, is really what's happening in a unified way. We have an unusual unity in the, in the city right now that's very kingdom. It's about Jeff Isaacs at Riverlawn's elder telling me, Sam, since the prayer movement, our elders' meetings, we used to open with prayer and close with prayer. Now we're praying for a chunk of our elders' meetings. Those kinds of testimonies have come out all over the place. We want to rise the prayer level, the prayer culture 
in the local church in the body of Christ. The prayer movement is a servant to the real hero in the city, which is the local church. We love the body of Christ. She's praying more than she was five to six years ago. Praise God. We can do more, but it's happening. Mission, creative mission. Multiple creative ministries are beginning to expand and explode, and it's just a glorious thing. And that was all because of the house of prayer culture. Listen, I'm telling you, it's not just my, my house should be a house of prayer. It's what? Let's get King Jamesy. My house will, it shall be a house of prayer. I think it's a declaration by the king of prophetically what's going to happen in the body of Christ. We're not, it's not if we're going to be a house of prayer, it's when. And the when has something to do with us agreeing with what he's doing. And I'm, I'm looking for more than just every church to start a prayer meeting every week, which I'd love that. I'm looking for more than just a bunch of houses. I, we're looking for a full culture of the house of prayer where the kingdom of God is ruling and reigning. Does that make sense? And it's going to take some supernatural activity. It really is. And let me just make a couple observations about an area that I'm very passionate about. The map for the building of the house of prayer is in Ezra 1 through 6. It actually gives you the warfare that's coming. I know what's coming. It's in Ezra 4. Go read Ezra 4. Where It's coming. <laughs> There's going to be an offer of help from the world. They're going to try to say they want to help us because it's growing so much. We're going to say no. And then they're going to try to discourage us, make us scared, and they're going to print accusations about us. When it comes, don't be freaked out. That's coming. Any move of God, that's the dynamic. Read it. Ezra chapter 4. It's actually in Nehemiah 4 too when they're building the walls. But before that, there's a supernatural stirring. There's in the first chapter supernatural funding. And listen to this, Ryan and Bree. There's supernatural funding and supernatural filling in chapter 1 of Ezra. The Lord is the one who stirs Cyrus's heart. And he is the super world power in the world. And he's a pagan king. And Yahweh, he says, Yahweh, the Lord, you read the Lord, but it's Yahweh, the true God appoints him to build him a house. That's, that's wild. I promise you, you're about to see millionaires and billionaires get touched with a dream at night. They're going to fund the kingdom of God. They're going to do it. They, it's going to be a supernatural thing. It'll be a sign. It'll be a sign to us as they write their checks. We, don't want, we want their soul to know Jesus but they got the money so that they could fund the, the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, supernatural funding is coming. And it says he stirred the heart of Cyrus. And he stirred. Then it'll go down two, three more verses. And it says, all the heads of the family and many of them gathered together. Everyone whose God's, God's, who's God's spirit stirred. He stirred up the spirit of 50,000 people. The census of it is in Ezra chapter 2. And it tells all the families and where they came from and singers, singers and builders and all these people are stirred by the Spirit supernaturally to do something. Listen, you need to hear this. They're stirred not just to go to a church or join a ministry called the house or disciple nations. That's not what they're, they're stirred to leave Babylon that's comfortable where they're practicing their religion, by the way. Does everybody know that that's where the synagogue system probably started? The synagogue system started in Babylon, 70 years up there, and they're actually building homes. Some of them are having kids and grandkids up in Babylon, and it's decently comfortable. I mean, every now and then they blow a trumpet, and you're supposed to bow down and worship, you know, and you get thrown in a, you know, a lion, whatever a lion's did. <laughs> there are tr there's troubled moments, I'll give you, but largely 
God even told them, pray for the prospering of the city. They got comfortable in a worldly culture and were practicing the synagogue was a gathering where they could practice their Judaism in the middle of Babylon. Did you know that? So what they're being asked to leave when they get stirred with the Spirit is comfort. Comfort, I got my religion, and I've got Babylon, which is pretty prosperous. I mean, the water system here is good. The benefits are great. The grocery stores are awesome. And they're being asked to leave that to go down to broken Jerusalem. So it's a sacrificial thing. Here's my point. It's a sacrificial thing that happens when someone moves from just doing a little bit of religion but mostly doing their life to, I'm going to give my life to the kingdom of God. I'm going to give my life to worship, to prayer, to mission, to those kind of things. It's going to take a supernatural move. There's, no, there's no, not enough Sammies that can talk fast enough and loud enough to stir up human beings to do that. It's a supernatural thing, but I promise you, I promise you, God's going to stir those with resource, and he's going to stir a remnant of people, thousands and thousands of them. He's going to stir them at the spirit level to go to work on the house of prayer. It probably is happening to multiple of you in here. I don't know why you would be here if it wasn't. <laughs> we don't have, it's not a fun house. You know what I mean? This is, this, is, this is strange. And what you just did that last hour, walking around on maps, you freaks. What are you, this is a weird deal, but I see you people smiling and joyful, praying for the nation. Something's going on in your hearts. And so, let me say this. The first thing that they establish is the altar sacrifice and gospel. It's in, in, it's in Ezra chapter 3. The gospels, at the, it's a bloody sacrifice morning and evening. And I just want to plead with the prayer movement to keep the gospel at the center of it. We're not, prayer's not what we're preaching. We're preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We're preaching the gospel of what Jesus did. The king came and took our sin and he assaulted death. He assaulted sin and rose from the dead. And we've got to keep the blood atonement and the resurrected king who's ascended at the center of this thing. And then they began to lay the foundation. They laid the foundation of what was happening there. And then I don't know if you know what happened after that. And this is just your cliff notes. But, but trouble starts. Once they start working, this is all over your Bible, and I'm pleading with leaders about it. Abraham says, yes, I'll leave my father's country, gets in, builds an altar at Bethel. Yay, I'm in Canaan land. Does anybody know what happens next? What? Famine. Famine. I obey God. That, does n that for sure is not a guarantee that everything's going to go good. <laughs> in fact, it's probably going to go the other way. To see if you'll stand in the midst, and doesn't mean you don't need to make adjustments and listen to the Spirit, but there's going to be trouble if you obey. I'm, t I'm sorry for the lie that's out there. If you get right with God and do the right things, you'll have your happiest life ever. Ask the apostles when you get to heaven if that was true for them. <laughs> they recognized the Messiah, and it got them all killed. So we don't do it because it makes life better. We do it because he's worthy, and it makes our heart alive. Does that make sense? So trouble comes, and for 18 years... That altar's there in that foundation. They don't finish the temple. I don't know if you remember that. Then if you get extra time, read Haggai and Zechariah. They're the two books that prompted the leaders of the building of the house of church to go back to work. They're awesome. One's just two chapters and one's just 12. And they're awesome. They fire the hearts of the leaders to go back, and within three years, they build the house of prayer. So I just want to say to you that I believe that a superstructure... A glorious thing is being built in Wichita. It's a tabernacle city. I think it's going to be unique and not 
so it's known, but unique in that we're agreeing with the restoration process that God is bringing to bear. And he's looking for some people that will say yes to this. Yes, it's not business as usual. And we're not being different to be different. There's no life in that. <laughs> you just doing something new. God's not looking for creative people to come up with a new idea. He made the universe. It's fairly creative. He's got planets hanging on nothing, spinning around and not banging into each other. That's impressive, don't you think? He's good on creative ideas. He's looking for some people that will get engaged, involved, and get into agreement with what he's doing. And what he's doing is raising up our city to be an air capital of the world, to be a house of prayer, to be a people who are being the church, not just doing church, who are being in a place where the Holy Spirit is operating his government. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless. I just pray for Wichita, and I thank you for unique, weird meetings I'm getting to be in, but I just, I just ask, God, I ask for full funding of unusual and unique movements that don't, are not the normal thing people give to. I just pray for supernatural funding and supernatural filling of the house of prayer. God, I pray you would touch and stir and people would respond to it in Jesus' name. I pray we could resist the attack of the devil, the seduction of the, of the enemy to pull us off, and God, you would truly get all that you want in our city, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.